Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel came in unto her. That is, he entered into Mary's house. And now they face one another. That's the part that we've come to, the encounter. On one side is the angel of the Lord here, Gabriel. The word angel describes his work, what he is mainly about, what these angel angelic creatures are. They are ministers who convey God's word, either verbally, the messages of the word, or they carry it out in providence, the ministers carrying out God's word. So on the one side then is this messenger. His mission is not Galilee. His mission is not Nazareth. His mission is not the house of Mary itself. His mission is her. He came in unto her. He's here for Mary. He's here to minister the providence of God and the word of God to her. And the angel knows her. He knows who she is. Later on he calls her by her name. Fear not Mary. He knows all about her. He knows she is to be the mother of the Lord. The angels are powerful creatures. They are faithful to God. But they are also knowledgeable. They have great knowledge. They're knowers of God and they're knowers of God's way. They're knowers of sinners and they're knowers of saints. Gabriel is not in the dark. The house might not be well illuminated. It may have very few windows. It may be dark inside. But Gabriel is not in darkness in the house. He sees Mary. He knows Mary. He knows certainly about her. And he especially knows. And this is why he is here. He knows what she is to become. The mother of the Lord. He knows then who he stands before. And we would like to know what he sees and what he's thinking. As he stirs into her searching eyes. As he looks at her face. What does he see? What does he think? How does he weigh up this woman that he knows? There are certainly words that come to my mind. When I think of Mary, and I want to share them with you today, I'll throw them out now and hopefully be able to touch on them in the body of the sermon. I see prayerfulness in this woman. I see purity in her. I see surrender and commitment to Almighty God. I see quietness of spirit and of soul and also of mouth. I see intense listening to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. This is what I see when I think of Mary. I know, no doubt, that Mary has been in prayer as this angel comes in. Don't think that this is a visit out of the blue. Don't think she's just been merely doing the dishes and now all of a sudden an angel appears. No, there's a story 
before this. We're just not told it. We just don't know it all. There's a previous story. Certainly part of that story is her prayer. What she has been praying to God about. Remember, the house of David is practically extinct. She's been married in the house of David to Joseph. She is contemplating her marriage. She is contemplating the union. She is thinking again of royal bloodline. And she's praying, interceding. I have no doubt in my mind about that. It doesn't say so in the text. It doesn't have to say so in the text. There are things we ought to know. Gabriel is the angel in the presence of God. Gabriel is the angel before the face of God. That's where Gabriel has been. And into that presence came Mary in prayer. Because Mary has been there too. Mary has been in the presence of God where Gabriel is before Gabriel has been in the presence of Mary. Mary has been praying. Mary has been at the throne of grace. And we know this because that's only when Gabriel comes. When people pray. When people have been before God's face. God hears them and he says to Gabriel, Gabriel, off you go. Answer her prayer. Gabriel is the one who sent when prayers ascend to God. You remember that in the case of Daniel. Daniel was praying. He was fasting. Daniel chapter 9, you can read his prayer. We know what he was praying about. He was praying and interceding and confessing his sins and the sins of the nation. And he talked with God. And he says, while I was praying, the man Gabriel, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me. He touched me. And he informed me and he talked with me and he said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of your prayer, God gave me the commandment to go forth. And so here he is. Just as Daniel's finishing his prayer, at the start of it, God said to Gabriel, you go. And before Daniel can even finish it, Gabriel's there and touches him. It's as quick as that. It's not a long prayer. As I said, it's recorded in chapter 9. Can angels travel that fast? Wow. Yes. Brethren and sisters, we must not think in terms of time and space whenever we think about heaven and the angels. We must not think that heaven is billions of light years away, away on the other side of the cosmos, away, way, way, something physical, away, way, way, beyond the cosmos. It's not. Heaven is near us. Heaven is surrounding us. Jacob's ladder vision in that staircase that he saw going up to heaven, that's not a long staircase. The portal between heaven and earth is but a step. You know that when you pray. It's but bowing your head and praying. It's but a step. 
through the throne of grace. And when Gabriel comes from the throne of grace and enters into that portal into our space-time, it's but a step. So heaven's not in the same dimension as our three-dimensional cosmos. It's beyond our imagination and our thoughts. We cannot comprehend it. It's nearer than we think. God is near us. The angels are near us. The portal is not long between us. Not long for us when we leave the body and go from this scene of time into eternity. It's but a step. And it's not a physical step. That's what I'm saying. So we have to get away from this notion that the hill of the Lord that we ascend is light years away. It's not. It's but a prayer away. God and the angels are all around us, brethren and sisters. Above us because it is a higher world, but not physically. They habit a higher world, but we must not think in terms of physical, physical distance as if God is upstairs on a different level, millions of light years away from us. That, that's not how we are to think. In him we live and move and have our being. He's all around us. He's eminent in his creation. And the angels aren't far either. And then you remember the second appearance of Gabriel he is in prayer, the, high, the priest. He's at the incense altar. He only got one chance at it, to come to him in old age. He's praying, he's praying for the people, but he's praying about something else. And he's praying a long time about it too. It's about his wife, and about a child, about a son, about an offspring. Even though they're old. One last time. One last time as he offers the incense as he begins this process of the pictorial prayer in the incense before the veil to God beyond the, the, the veil, the portal. He's praying. And I say he never prayed like he prayed before that day. And Gabriel stands there. He's come through the veil and he stands there. Your prayers hurt. And now... Here he is in the house of Mary. Undoubtedly she has been praying to. Now what she's been praying about, we cannot be sure. We don't know. We're not told. It's hidden. It's concealed. We know what Daniel was praying about. We know what Zechariah was praying about. But we know that Mary is burdened. And praying to. She's a woman of devotion to God. That's why she was picked. She's godly. So godly. She is praying. Else Gabriel wouldn't be here. No. Somehow she's praying in relation to the things that the angel is bringing to her concerning the kingdom that has no end in her offspring. There's a connection. Although we are not sure of the actual petitions that she offered. Though we can surmise. But we are not go down that avenue this morning. But whatever her prayer is. 
it is her. And here Gabriel comes in answer to it. She gets a heavenly visitor because she prays. She has heavenly answers because she prays. She gets new insights into the things of God because she prays. She has Christ coming to her. Christ being formed in her because she prays. She prays. Never forget this aspect of the story. The preface also emphasizes that Mary is a virgin. Twice it says that. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The virgin with the definite article. She is the virgin, Mary. A look, he deliberately doubles the word. Though the gospel writers are always concise and to the point and don't needlessly multiply words, Luke might have written to a virgin named Mary espouse. But that's not what he says. To a virgin espouse to Joseph and the virgin's name was Mary. He wants to put in the words with the definite article, the virgin Mary. Why this emphasis? To tell us her womb is hedged? Yes, undoubtedly, it is from any man. But there is more. We're being told two things. We're being told, first of all, that Mary is pure. There's a purity about her. There's a difference about her. And we're being told that she is surrendered wholly to God. Pure surrender unto God. And that's no doubt linked to her praying as well. Mary is pure because she confesses her sins. She finds cleansing in praying to God. And in her prayer she surrenders up herself unto God. This is clear. She calls herself at the end of the story, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I belong to him. I've given myself to him. I've surrendered myself to him. I've made my vow to him. What has she vowed? Now, the specific petitions we cannot tell, but vows like Hannah she no doubt has made. We can be sure of that. All of those people, those women of old, are her forerunner. And she vows and surrenders herself to God. And this surrendered, pure virgin gets answers to prayer and gets a visitation from heaven. Now, of course, her situation is unique. But nevertheless, as Christians ourselves, we must be washed and purified. We must be cleansed and sanctified. We must be surrendered to God. 
Only then can we have confidence of being heard in prayer. Only then can we have confidence of having visits from heaven to our soul. Only then can we have confidence that we will be blessed in our hearts by the word of God. Only then will we see things and understand things as we have purity of heart. And surrender of our hearts unto God. Completely and fully. You know in Revelation chapter 14. That the redeemed are described as virgins. These are they which have not defiled themselves with women. For they are virgins. They follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These are they that are redeemed from among men. The first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. They picture the church of Jesus Christ. All the church of Jesus Christ is pictured as a virgin. Espoused to God. And the people of God also are pictured in that way. Because we are to have purity. Purity of heart. And surrender unto one only. Unto God alone. His. Espoused to him. We all know the parable of the ten virgins. The wise and the foolish. And we know to which Mary belongs. But what about the rest of us? Are we pure and holy? Do we stay close to the fountain of blood? And to the Holy Spirit's presence within? Sanctifying us and purifying us? Do we surrender unto Christ our Lord? Are we awake, alert, having the oil in our lamps, waiting for our Lord, waiting for his visit, waiting for his arrival, waiting for him to come and knock at the door and enter into the house and have an encounter with us? He came in unto her. This pure virgin surrendered unto God. Whenever I was thinking about this, John 14 came to mind. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? How can this differentiation come about? That we can see you and we can have your visits and we can have your manifestations, but the world doesn't have it. How, how can that be, Lord? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we will come into him. Like Gabriel came into the house. Came in unto her. It will not be Gabriel. But it will be my father and myself. We will come in unto him. And manifest ourselves to him. This is a blessed thing. To have the Lord's love visits. To have the Lord coming to us and ministering to us. And making us truly benefit from the word of God. Purity and surrender to God are important. If we are to benefit from the word. If we are to see the Lord. If we are to see the truths of God. To see what God wants to show us. And what does God want to show us? He wants to show us 
himself in Christ. That's what he wants to show us. And so the Father and the Son will come to us and manifest themselves unto us. Jesus said it. We'll make our abode in him. We'll dwell with him. He says. You know the Lord Jesus said. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. You know we sometimes expect. Well that will be fulfilled whenever we die. Or on the last day when we're all going to be in heaven. But no no. There's, there's, a, there's a fulfillment of that before that. There's a seeing God now. There's a seeing God in his word. There's a seeing God in his truth. Blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. And that's Mary. She wouldn't have seen Gabriel if she hadn't been pure in heart. She wouldn't have seen Gabriel if she hadn't been utterly surrendered unto God. This is a woman fit for a heavenly visit. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? To see him? For him to become real to you? Who who is that person? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. That includes seeing God in the Bible. Yeah, we can read the Bible. But we don't really see the Lord without the purification of heart. Now the Bible purifies us, that is true. But it also works the other way, that we have to be purified to really see what the Bible is teaching and telling us and showing to us. That's not emphasized so much, is it? Any unsanctified person can understand the Bible. Any unholy person can take in, you know, the word and get it all into his head. Maybe so. But he doesn't see the Lord. He doesn't. And he doesn't have the sanctifying, humbling effects that come in seeing the Lord. You can have a knowledge of the Bible and be as proud and puffed up as the proudest man on the planet. Mary's not like that, I can tell you. She sees the Lord. A pure heart and surrender to God. Truth in the inward parts is vital. If we are to benefit from the word. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he'll show them his covenant. You see how it's connected? Yes the word sanctifies us and purifies us. But as we fear the Lord. We also see the secrets. The real meaning of the word. God in Christ in the scriptures. I suggest you write the beatitude in the front of your Bible. And every time you open your Bible to read it, the pure in heart see God. Pure in heart. And every time you come to the preaching and sit under the ministry as you come out to the house of God, read it, the pure in heart shall see God. So when you come out, pray for the virgin heart, the purified heart, the cleansed heart, the cleansed mind, the purifying of the blood and the purifying of the Holy Spirit. Make sure you are washed. Make sure you are surrendered up unto the Lord. 
when you come to his word. It's very important. Now as we look at this encounter between Gabriel and Mary in a a general way, by way of overview, one thing really stands out to me. And it is this. Mary doesn't say much. It's remarkable. She doesn't say much. Now, the best way to see this is just to highlight the speech. And that's what you should do when you read the Bible and you have a narrative section. You know, the quotation marks highlight the quotation marks. Who's speaking? Who's saying what? Mark the mind. And as you do that to this passage of Scripture, as you look at the dialogue, if you colour the speech of Gabriel and if you colour Mary's another colour, it will stand out. The only one here who's doing all the talking is Gabriel. And Mary, she says very little. Very little. In fact, at one point, she says nothing, and the angel is waiting for her to say something. And she doesn't say anything. She's a quiet person. Have you ever met someone like that? A quiet person? And you know it it doesn't mean that he or she is stupid. It indicates depth. Quietness often indicates depth. Depth of character. Depth of spirituality. That's Mary. She's deep. Deeper than a notion. So deep. And there's not much comes out of her mouth. In verse 28, the angel speaks, Hail thou highly favoured, the Lord is with thee. And he's waiting for a response, and there's no response. She just looks at him. She's troubled at a saying, and she casts in her mind, what kind of salutation is this? She's deep. He speaks again, verses 30 and down to 33. Fear not, Mary, and goes on and on and on. And then at last a response, verse 34, but merely a question. How shall this be? Saying, I know not a man. And then the angel speaks again, and he goes on and on. Verses 35, 36, and 37. And Mary closes the dialogue by very briefly saying, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. That's all. Every word is weary. But they're few. They're few. The angel speaks three times. Mary only speaks twice. The angel speaks 160 words in the English. I've counted the English here. And Mary speaks only 24. The angel speaks nearly seven times more than Mary. He speaks the word of God. She listens. And it goes in here and in here. She casts it into her mind, the Bible says. She's casting it into her mind. That spirit. Getting it in. Getting the word in. Nothing more important than that. Nothing more valuable in life than that. Getting the word of God in. She's a woman then of few words. And we find this throughout the whole New Testament. You'll not write a big book of Mary's words, I can tell you. Nearly all of what she says in the New Testament is here in Luke chapter 1. And we do meet her several times in the Gospels. At the manger, says nothing. 
At the cross, her heart's breaking, says nothing. She's always present. At the critical points, at the start and at the end and during the Lord's ministry, but says nothing. That's Mary. I love Mary for her quietness. Her life and presence talks. Her silence is golden and very loud in my ears. Of course, we can't study Mary in all of these scenes in this series. But you will know she is the quiet woman. The most of her words do occur in this chapter, not in the encounter with Gabriel, for she's not a great conversationalist, but the most of her words occur in her magnificat. And she's filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks the word herself and praises God out of that soul that has drunk in the word, drunk in the word. She's got it cast in her mind. She's got it cast in her heart. She's drunk it in and now she sings it out. The word. She doesn't talk much, but she's deep, inward, reflective, meditative, a woman of the mind and not of the mouth. And when she does open her mouth to say anything to a large extent, it's praise to God. She prays much, she praises much. She doesn't talk much because she is so pure, so godly. Do you see why the Lord picked her womb? Mary kept all these things, we're told later on, and pondered them in her heart. It doesn't say about many people in the Bible concerning their mind and their heart. They're both said concerning Mary. She casts in her mind, she ponders them in her heart. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. This is 12 years later. But he, his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. So that tells us how godly Mary is. She hears God's word. She listens more than speaks. What is there to say when God speaks? Nothing. We are but to listen. Just listen. And afterwards, magnificat, praise. Afterwards, praise. God's word, if we hear and if we see things and if the Lord shows us things and the Lord blesses us with promises and the Lord blesses us with divine truths and Christ is formed within us, we're filled with praise. Filled with praise. Oh, you have Christ in the vessel, child of God. You have Christ. Formed in you. You're sanctified by the word. You have the word of God daily and week by week. What more do you want? You should go out praising. My soul doth magnify the Lord. There's something else about her. Her mind. Her heart. Her soul. She never talks about her body. No, no. She's deep. Deep within Meditative, reflective, contemplative. The word of God. Brethren and sisters, we should be people of the word. That's all we need. 
Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. I tell you, there's a lot of sacrifice of fools going on in God's house today. We don't want the sacrifice of fools. We want to keep our feet, especially in God's house, and be more ready to hear. Therefore, my beloved brethren, James says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. And in that place nearby to Thessalonica, they were more noble there because they received the word with all readiness of mind. And they searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. So that's what God wants in us. And it is to this aspect of his mother that the Lord Jesus Christ refers to later on in the Gospels. It's a very interesting passage. It's been often misinterpreted and used against Mary as if the Lord is running down his mother and putting his mother down. Let me tell you, Jesus never put his mother down. He honoured his father and mother. We're the ones who fail to do that. We fail to honour our father and mother the way we ought to have done. And someone had to do that perfectly for us. And our Saviour did. He always honoured his adoptive father Joseph and his mother Mary. And he never put her down. He never humiliated her in a public manner especially. And so whenever that voice is lifted up, a certain woman of the company lifts her voice, Blessed is the womb that bore thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. As if it's all physical. That womb, those breasts, that milk that you had, that you sucked and possessed. Blessed are they, as if they're just material things. And Jesus said, oh, there's far more than that about my mother. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And you know who he's thinking about most of all? That's why she's blessed. That's why she's blessed among women. Because she heard the word of God and kept it. So it's not a heavy Mary and a running Mary down. As is sometimes interpreted, we need to be very careful in our reaction to the Maryolatry of Popery. That we don't misinterpret the word of God just to get at Popery. The Lord honoured his mother. And he's telling us we're in her true blessedness lay. Blessed art thou among women. Mary was blessed before she conceived Christ, you see. Did you notice that? She hasn't yet conceived Christ. The Holy Spirit hasn't yet come upon her. And Gabriel says, blessed are you among women. It's because she hears the word of God and obeys it. She's a pure virgin who's kept it. Now she's not the Immaculate Conception, born sinless. No, we don't believe any of that. But she has much of the grace of God and sanctification by the Holy Spirit. 
she believed and obeyed. And you see this story, she just, just Mary, she, she believes. She's not like Zacharias. And after that, Christ was formed in her. That's how we get Christ formed in us, brethren and sisters. Not, not in this way here, this is a unique situation. But we want Christ formed in us in a spiritual manner. Bear Christ, to carry Christ, to show forth the glory of Christ. And Christ is formed in us as we hear and believe the word of God. O congregation, let us be Mary's. That is what Mary teaches us this morning. And that other Mary of Bethany who was like her, who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Let us hear God's word. Let us love it. Let us obey it. What miracles it will work in us. What miracles it will work in us. What changes it will bring to us. What glory to glory we shall undergo as the Holy Spirit comes upon us through the word. What conformity to Christ it will work in us. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and do it.